geeks everywhere, and welcome to another Geeks Crossing podcast. I'm Eric. I am Keith's son. <laughs> I am Matt. And I am Nick. And we're here really? to give you all the best geek-related content you could ask for. So, uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a movie uh, that was released. Yeah, so uh, we did our last Marvel episode in preparation for Thor Love and Thunder. We were like, okay, this is the next movie that's coming out. And now it is out, and all four of us have seen it. And uh, I guess we have some opinions on it, probably. Some very strong opinions, I would say. Yeah. What do you say we go around like we usually do and give our um, number ratings? And before we begin, of course, as always, we will be spoiling the plot and character arcs of this movie, so... All right, uh, I will go, I guess, alphabetically. Eric, why don't you start us off with our your number ranking? This is probably the lowest rating I've ever given on the podcast. Probably somewhere between a 5 and a 6. Mm. Like a 5.2 or 5.3. That's still, like, 5 would be average. So, like, that's still above average, right? Yeah, something like that. Okay. I don't um, know. I didn't really like this movie too much. It's funny because, for me, this is, like, a perfect C. So, I'm, I'm sitting at a 5. Like, it's just such a, a meh movie. You know, I would say maybe a 4.8. Yeah, I was going to say, on the podcast, I gave Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I think, like a 6. And thinking, or like a 5, I don't know. I think Thor Love and Thunder right now, for me, is probably hovering somewhere around a 4. Maybe even a little lower than that. And uh, Nick, what about you? What's your number rating? I would say it's at least like 5. It's mm. like a perfect C movie. It's not good. It's not bad. But there's so much that bothers me about character-wise, and I cannot wait to get into that. Well, uh, let's get into Well, actually, to start off, I'll provide a very, very rough synopsis. Thor is still traveling with the Guardians. He then decides he wants to go do his own thing. And along the way, he uh, goes back to Asgard. There's this new threat coming around, killing all the gods. And so with the help of his ex-flame, Jane Foster, who now wields the newly built Mjolnir and Valkyrie and Korg, they're going to go and try to stop this dude. That's pretty much the uh, big adventure this time around. But I guess we might as well get right into the character mess. Literally, in this case, mess. This movie is so weird because, like, because it's not a bad, like, actually, the synopsis is by far the best. Like, it's an amazing story. Like, I think just the bare bones of it is, like, honestly, like, 8 out of 10. It was just that they filled it with such garbage and they did it so poorly. Spoilers uh, ahead. But, uh, I mean, we just spoiled the entire synopsis, so... <laughs> Indeed. Pretty much. I mean, I didn't say how it ended or anything. I just said the, the what the adventure is. But yeah, last chance to turn back because I guess technically we haven't spoiled that much. But yes. Uh, yes, I don't know. I mean, I guess, Keith, are you trying to say that it was a good concept but executed horribly? It wasn't even that it's a good concept executed horribly. It was... Again, like the, the concept and the bare bones of it was very good. Like I enjoyed a lot of the points in the movie. It was just that with every good point, they surrounded it with 15 awful points and then it was just like okay like there are definitely a few points that just didn't need to be into the movie they are leaving to go save children which have been kidnapped and thor is all like oh i will be back and we'll have a feast he's like, and we won't feast on the children and like the whole crowd goes whoa and he's like i'm sorry in the past we used to feast on children he's like we don't do that anymore and it was very prolonged and very just not like thor you've never thought of thor as a like child murderer what are you talking about i feel like that's always been Thor. Well, to what we were saying before about you being like, oh, they retconned his character. They just made him extremely awkward in every other aspect of everything. You see it in prolonged scenes that didn't really have to happen. You see it in the whole Axel, um, Astrid argument. Like, that just did not have to happen. It felt like there was a lot of filler moments in this movie. 
all of the fake deaths throughout the movie. That was garbage. <laughs> I mean, do you my, guys have oh my god! Don't even get me started on Quark's "quote unquote" death. That was so stupid that he's like, "Oh, apparently the only part of me that needs to die is my face." What? And then inexplicably at the end of the movie, he's just back together with no explanation. That's awesome. That's really clever and good writing. But the other major death of that is uh, is Valkyrie. That when they're fighting on the gray planet and Valkyrie gets stabbed and the camera zooms in, you see Thor gasp like, oh no. I was like, oh my gosh, Valkyrie's dying. And then the next scene, she's quipping at the hospital like, oh, you're going to need help if you go out there. Thor, like, what? weren't you just about to die? Like, you were at death's door. Now you're making quips and one-liners? She was with the Necro sword, right? Yeah, I thought. Doesn't, like, every god die with, like, one stab through, like, the Necro sword? Okay, but still, I would imagine if you, if I got, I'm not a god, I imagine if I got stabbed with the Necro sword, it would freaking hurt. I'd probably die. (laughs) Maybe it missed vital organs. I think that those fake-out deaths were too, again, emphasized. They took too long showing them and being, oh my god, and then nothing. Your characters react, and, like, the camera zoomed in, the music would, like, change. Yeah. Uh, Eric, what about you? Do you got any thoughts about any of this stuff that we've talked about so far? I honestly couldn't take this movie seriously. <laughs> yeah. The fact that they made Asgard a freaking tourist attraction. Oh my god, yeah, the freaking tourist boat rides of uh, Valkyrie doing the Old Spice commercial. I forgot about that. That was really if, stupid. If you think about it, do you realize how insensitive the Infinity Stones ice cream place is? Yup. Like, so many lives were affected by that, and you're making a quick little joke. Thanos personally boarded the Asgardian ship and killed half of them, like, personally. And then, five, like, six years later, they're like, yeah, Infinity Stone's, uh, ice cream shop. It's the perfect example of world building, just being horrible. They only wrote that in because they're like, yeah, audiences didn't think this is funny. I actually have a funny story about the Infinity Cones bit. I went to the mall with Nick, and in one of the stores, there was a whole display of Infinity Cones shirts and mugs and all that little stuff. And this was before I saw Thor Love and Thunder. So I was like, oh, what is Infinity Cones? Is this like some something from Miss Marvel or something that I don't know? Then I saw Thor Love and Thunder. So literally, before the movie even came out, they were pumping out Infinity Cones merchandise. So that leads me to believe they put it in there as just a meta joke. But it doesn't make yes. any freaking sense at all in the universe whatsoever. It's just a cheap <laughs> marketing gimmick. Maybe if it was Tony Stark's gauntlet, you'd have something. But it wasn't even Tony Stark's gauntlet. It was Thanos's. It was like, dude, I can't even, like, imagine if the citizens of Poland, like, four years after the fall of communism, put, like, a giant, like, let Vladimir Lenin-themed restaurant up. Like, oh, yeah, here we go. It would never happen. It would be ridiculous. But at the crux of this movie's problem for me is that even the good scenes are just instantly hampered by a bad joke. Example, when that happens, and for like 10 seconds, you're like, holy cow, this is actually a character moment for Thor. And then immediately he starts fumbling his words, make, being awkward, being like, hey, uh, Meek, could you stop writing on the board, please? I, it's distracting me. It's like, okay, and now you're trying to be funny and it's failing miserably. Well, that was actually one of the big things because somebody sitting next to me was on their phone writing notes during the movie. I was. I was literally writing notes for Geeks Crossing while the movie was going on, so I'm a regular critic now. One of the the big things were that almost all of these jokes, at least to us, like the overall census, fell flat. The goats made us laugh like twice, but they were way too overplayed. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of any other jokes that I enjoyed. 
I liked the first jealous Stormbreaker scene. See, the first one really got me. And then once again, like the goats, it was just over and over and over and over. And it was just like, okay, now it's not funny anymore. I also didn't like like talking about world breaking and this and that. I just hated of how they actually made the hammers have like personalities. Like they yeah, them sentient. Kind of like, stupid. It was so stupid because you never saw that in any other Marvel movies. They're just crazy weapons of power. Now they're like flo- floating by themselves, like walking around, like they're getting hurt when you're looking at somebody else's weapon. Like, yep. Again, Matt said it best. This is writing at its strongest. Yeah, man. The writer's showing their strings. It's the idea of, okay, we need to be funny. We need to be marketable. Let's just make everybody say funny, marketable things for two hours, which thank God it wasn't three hours, but still. Uh, now, going back to your notes, Matt, what was one of the big potholes with the God City that you, you mentioned before? Ooh, okay, so let's get into that because we were talking about world-building problems, right? Yeah. How about at the town meeting in Asgard, Valkyrie and Thor look at each other and say, you know what I'm thinking? I know what I'm thinking. And then they say, the city of the God, excuse me, it's called Omnipotent City. They both say it like, yeah, that's where we'll go. We both know about Omnipotent City. We both heard of it. We both know how to get there. So let's go. If those two characters know exactly how to get to Omnipotent City and they've heard of it and they're so familiar with it that they're just going to bring it up casually, why didn't anyone think to go there when Thanos was coming around? You think maybe the gods would have cared if half of all the gods are going to get wiped out? I feel like maybe they would have gotten involved, you know? But no, there's once again, like the dark hole in, in uh, not WandaVision, in Multiverse of Madness and the book of whatever in the secret dimension. There's once again, an extremely powerful force that everyone knows about and no one brought up until now. And there's not even a reason. So again, more world breaking. Although even in the city of gods, there's stupid things that make no sense. There's the fact that Thor kills Zeus, or at least you think he kills Zeus and all the other gods just watch it happen and no one tries to kill him for it. So that Thor can get away. Wait, they even mention that where they're like, oh, we're going to be hunted the rest of our lives for killing Zeus and stealing his weapon. And they chuckle. Like, they laugh it <laughs> off. They're like, oh, well. <laughs> they, not only do they laugh it off, but after they kill Zeus, they, they stay in the temple fighting his, like, maybe 10 or so guards for, like, 20 minutes. There's a bunch of very, very powerful gods just sitting in the wings watching. Like, they could easily have been like, okay, you killed the extremely popular king of the gods. We're going to avenge him, but I guess they just don't care. Or maybe they knew somehow that he didn't die because he was in the post credit scene. I don't know, but it's just whack. This is now just a little issue I had. The Dumpling God. That's all cartoon. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, that was, again, a funny joke. was like, oh, I did not like that at all because to me, A, it breaks the whole movie. Like, instantly seeing that, I'm just like, oh, I'm, I'm out of it. <laughs> but it's also, it terrifies me because are we going to be looking at, at something in the future? Like, uh, what was it? It was uh, like Mary Poppins did that, right? Was it? Oh, well, yeah. Like the animated penguins and stuff. Are we going to start seeing, you know, like anime characters on the screen fighting along, like with Thor? Like, is it just going to turn even more CGI? And, like... Don't give Disney ideas, please. <laughs> yeah, no, please. Like, you know they're going to do that. But <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to see a reality where it's just anime characters that are running in or cartoon characters or like, what is it? The happy tree friends or whatever. <laughs> that's running around. And it terrifies me for the future. And But I know a lot of people laughed it off and it was like, oh, little dumpling, so cute, little anime eyes. You know what, Keith? That is the exact response Disney wants. They want you to be like, hey, look at cute, marketable b- dumpling god. You want to buy a t-shirt of him and a stuffed animal? Whatever, it's stupid. But um, uh, here's a question I have for you guys. 
you remember the trailer for this movie? Remember how um how the Guardians of the Galaxy were in that trailer? <laughs> I was just about to bring that up. Eric, please take it away. I explained how the Guardians were shafted in the movie because it falsely advertised to think that they're going to play a big part in this movie. But no, all that crap was handled through like the first 10 to 20 minutes. It's like, oh, look at all these distress singles. We're going to handle this and Thor, you do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> all those adventures of Thor going to different planets with the Guardians, all that shit was handled off screen. Yeah, um, and I would actually say, well, first of all, the Guardians of the Galaxy are what got me to see this movie in the first place, so I'm guessing that was probably the idea, the goal of the company, because I love them. All right, so the whole first 20 minutes of this movie is just a, I don't know if we all agree on this, but I personally was not happy with ultimately what, what they ended up doing with it. Three major things, all right? So I don't think I explained myself very well in our last Marvel episode about my problem with Fat Thor. It wasn't just that he got fat and drank beer, because I get that that's what happens when you're depressed, whatever. It's that... Well, first of all, they themselves, the movie, the writers, the cinematographers, everyone, they want you to laugh at it. They think it's a joke. They think it's funny. They zoom in on his beer belly poking out of his pants. Like, they think it's funny. So if it is very accurate portrayal of depression, which I, I'm sure it is, again, I know, I do not like the, how they made it into a laughing stock in Endgame, in their own movie. Whatever. Who cares? This is an Endgame we're not talking about. So we have that. We have that. We have Thor giving Asgard to Valkyrie. We have Thor pretty much saying, oh, those last three movies where I try to become worthy of leaving Asgard. Yes, yeah, screw that. I'm going to go hang out with the Guardians. And I was like, well, that sucks. But at least he's hanging out with the Guardians. That might be fun. Instantly in this movie, we have Fat Thor's gone. He just worked out for two seconds and now he's fit again. We have the Guardians of the Galaxy gone. Just, all right, see you later, Thor. Bye. We learned a lot from you. See ya. And then we have Thor being like weirdly zen, but also like kind of almost being back to his development in the first movie, which if you remember in the first Thor, whatever the first Thor's problems, it was Odin banishes Thor to Earth because he's too reckless. It's like, oh, Thor, you're too reckless. You need to learn how to be, you know, like a human almost like learn from the Midgarians. What happens in the opening scene of Thor Love and Thunder? He destroys an entire temple because he's trying to kill the people attacking it. And he doesn't apologize. So that's like, okay, cool. Wow. We're 15 minutes in off the gate. We've already completely reverted Thor's character to Thor 1. Before Thor 1, actually. And we have thrown away Depression and the Guardians of the Galaxy. So that's really awesome. Way to go, movie. I was going to say, I actually disagree. I thought the beginning was pretty awesome. And I thought that this was one of the few things done right. Yeah. Granted, it wasn't really all that good. <laughs> but within the 20 minutes you know they showed that thor going through his stuff you know he's developing trying to get back to who he is and he's kind of maybe done that too far um he's still exploring whatever the real point about thor love and thunder and the whole point for it being love and thunder like i think i think it's probably the best part about this movie but going back so thor you know is with the guardians and you see him it's either that he's there and he's too powerful and he he's outshining all these humans and normal people or he does nothing and then they're struggling so he really didn't fit and you kind of see the guardians be like okay go, go out on your own please leave like <laughs> your own stuff have uh korg narrating which you know, i think the best part of the movie was also korg's narration oh real i i found him so unfunny in this movie but i, no, I, I guess that's a no i don't think it was funny i took it as like actual narration it mm. was oh thor who's you know depressed in this oh you have thor who's with the guardians and he finally sets out on his own and then he narrates again, oh, you had the mighty Thor, Jane Foster, who, you know, 
gave her life for whatever, which we'll talk about the scene where she dies. But you have Thor's whole development where he's trying to find his people. And then like throughout the movie, you think it's going to be Jane Foster. Everybody thinks, oh, it's going to be Thor and Mighty Thor, whatever. And that's what it's leading to. And then they actually kill off Jane, which was a very awesome move. I'm, I'm very happy by that. A little sad, but very happy. And then it's, it's the whole point, Thor, Love and Thunder, where Thor and Love, a.k.a. his daughter, which now that I love that fact, but they did it very, very poorly. Um, mm. But I don't know if you'd like to say anything onto what I was just saying. I don't know. I respectfully disagree about that beginning. I think it just sets a very bad stage for this garbage fire, but... Don't you just love how they <laughs> shoehorned off-screen romantic moments between Thor and Jane? Yeah, they had to remind audiences, like, hey, you remember who Jane is, right? You, you remember know? her? Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at those scenes, I was like, when the hell did this happen? <laughs> Yeah, and it's really weird because you think it's going to be, like, awkward between them, but almost immediately. Like, I think their second or third conversation together, it's like, okay, they both like each other again. It's like, oh, oh, wow. So what? it's almost like they broke up for nothing. I guess they, they were indicating that they never stopped loving each other, which is kind of cute. I guess. But... You almost get a sense, like, they should have been dating this whole time. Like, I, I, I don't know. But obviously, that's not true, but... It's just strange to me. Whatever. I think Jane Foster is fine in this movie. I honestly think she's probably the character I was the most interested in because, I, I, like I said, Valkyrie was just a background character. She barely did anything. Korg was annoying as hell. And Thor was all over the place, like insane in terms of he's depressed. No, he's happy. No, he's nothing. Now he's really, really funny and awkward and silly. Ha ha ha. But yeah, Jane, I, I think, had something consistent. You know, I think she was pretty poorly written like most of the characters in this movie but i could follow I what was going on i don't know she kind of did play a good like quirky new hero coming into her powers because she didn't know her catchphrase she was kind of still like testing it out absolutely I, I, I feel like they definitely writ her the best out of almost any character oh yes i would agree she was the best written out of any of the characters i don't necessarily think it was great still but i think it was the best out of everyone else Borg, i feel like got like i guess nerfed to say because he was great in ragnarok he was funny yes. in Endgame and and all that. This one, he's just, just, like, overdone funny. And, like, everything was just like, okay, it doesn't have to be a joke all the time, Borg. Well, well, here's the interesting thing about that, and something I found out. Apparently, everyone was so excited when Taika Waititi was announced to direct this, because it's like, oh, it'll be like Ragnarok. None of the writers from Ragnarok returned for this movie. And I wonder if that has something to do with it. But, yeah, I just found Korg insufferable. And even his narration bits was just, like, I felt, like, lazy. Like... Yeah, Thor used to be fat. Not anymore. Now he's fit. Cool. This, Thanks for telling me that in two seconds, Korg. But again, like, was, they, but they showed the montage. Like, they did, I think, the best with the time jumps. And, like, even going back to the nitpicking about, oh, they had to remind us about, like, Jane Foster, which is super true because she was, what, from four movies ago? <laughs> but I don't know. I think the chemistry there and showing the cute moments built on, like, I don't think any of those moments were bad because it's like, oh, wow. Uh, I yeah. thought that stuff was well done. Yeah, they, those were stronger parts of this movie. I 100% agree with you. They never elaborated why she is dressed like Thor and calls herself Mighty Thor. It's never like a conversation where Thor's like, hey, that's my name. Like, why do you have my name? And so it's just like, yeah, hey, you read the comics. She's called Mighty Thor in that. So yeah, we don't have to explain it. Well, I mean, I guess they gave the explanation of why the, the hammer chose her. But Ooh, don't talk to me about that because I have problems with that too. Elaborate, Matt, because I have issues with that, too. The hammer was blessed or ordinated by Odin, magically, for Thor. This was Thor's hammer, okay? I don't mind that Jane Foster has it. I'm a little surprised just because um, we know from the MCU that it takes a lot 
to be able to wield Mjolnir. A lot. You have to be like absolutely 100% pure. I personally wouldn't have pinned it on Jane Foster. My, I would have had other guesses for who would be able to wield it. Uh, she's probably in the top half of characters who could probably wield it. So like I squint at it a lot, but I can buy it. My main question is, how the hell did Mjolnir reform itself for Jane and not for Thor? Like, I was very confused by that. Yeah, like, I just think that's such a huge plot hole. Yeah, that was just a huge plot hole. Well, that actually felt extra weird to me, too, thinking about the end of the movie. Towards the very end of the movie, because they justified it by being like, oh, she was dying from cancer, so the, the hammer prevents her from dying. Towards the end of the movie, it was like, oh, no, every time she uses the hammer and Thor, she dies. Dies even more, yeah. Yeah, so actually... Huge plot hole. Son of a gun, guys. They gotta write better. They gotta fix these. Imagine being Thor in the bedroom, like, Mjolnir, watch over, like, that scene, like, Mjolnir, you know, I love Jane, watch over her for me. And then Mjolnir's just like, all right, I'll slowly kill her. Sounds good. Yeah, right? It's like, whoa, whoa, that's not what I told you to do, Mjolnir. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't like the inconsistency with Thor's weapons. Like, all of a sudden, he has this huge boner for Mjolnir, (laughs) where in Avengers Endgame, he's like, no, no, you take the little one. I want Stormbreaker. Yeah, that but was another one. Yeah. Jane has Mjolnir. He's like, how could you? I don't know. That was just so stupid. Like, you literally wanted Stormbreaker because it's way pa- more powerful than Mjolnir ever was. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, I want you back because you're in the arms of someone else. I will only disagree with this part because in the other Thor, in Thor Ragnarok, when they destroyed the hammer, they were talking about how much he loved it. And even into um, the original Infinity War. And then he does get the hammer back through time traveling. And that was where I'd sum it up to a like he got a new toy type deal. But Mm. it it is true. It is very wonky because he goes he flip flops back and forth between each movie. The okay. biggest thing that bothered me was when he gave his power to the kids. Oh my god. Oh, he didn't, he didn't think about doing that in Endgame where they're going up against a giant army. <laughs> like, I was confused. Wait, Thor was able to do this this whole time? Since when? <laughs> oh boy. That's the big thing too. It's I, I wish they touched on that because they they totally did not. They never was like, oh yeah, this is a power you have. Like, <laughs> hey, guess what? Thor's magic. Okay, cool. When the hell was that a thing? Again, writing showing its strings, like Matt said. Yeah. But that final battle, like, if you thought I couldn't take Thor seriously, I definitely couldn't take the villain or the final climax seriously. That's perfect, because I was just about to say, let's talk about the villain a little bit, Gore the Godslayer. Thor, transferring all his powers to these kids, suddenly they have godlike powers. Like, this isn't epic, it's a joke. I don't know what you guys thought about Gore, I think he was an interesting concept, but he felt like sometimes he was a really serious devout god slayer and sometimes he was like a, a joker-esque clown and like very inconsistent with his writing like in certain scenes like sometimes he'd be doing you know funny like oh i thought you could like decapitation <laughs> with the kids and then sometimes he would <laughs> oh no i just remembered something really stupid that happens in it okay so first of all the scene where he kidnaps he's talking to the kids <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to get my thoughts together because this is just one of the most inept writing decisions I've ever seen in the MCU. So he's talking to the kids and taunting them. Like, let me tell you something about gods. Whatever. He says, I'm like, let me tell you about gods and something like, you know, that where are your gods now? Like, where are they? As though to say, as is consistent for him, he thinks the gods don't care about mortals because that was his backstory. His god didn't care about mere mortals and he had to die, according to Gore, right? So then 
Axel, Astrid, whatever, haha, funny joke, very funny, says, oh, but Thor's coming. And this freaking gray dude looks at Axel and he says, that's what I'm counting on. As though to say, oh, yes, he's luring Thor into a trap. But, but do you realize, kind listeners, do you realize the problem here? He just said, gods don't care about humans. Then Axel says, hey, our god cares a lot about us. And Gore said, that's what I'm counting on. In other words, my whole plan hinges on gods caring about people, a.k.a. I'm freaking wrong. I was like, what? He didn't just say that, did he? Oh, jeez, they don't even know their own freaking villain. Well, I was going to say, you are absolutely right. Like, he just kept on flip-flopping between serious and, like... Clown. And then at the end, Eric, I don't know if you thought this when you were watching the movie, but the Dimension with Eternity, did that remind you of the place in Kingdom Hearts where the little cat hangs out? Oh, yeah, the final world. Yes, I, I immediately thought of that when I saw it. I don't know why. I was just like, hey, wait. <laughs> For everybody that listens that uh, watches Demon Slayer, it's Tandero's heart. Yeah. Okay, but on, it is neither Demon Slayer nor Kingdom Hearts. It is actually Eternity, who's this god who, if you find him at the center of the universe, he will grant one wish from you. And I guess let's talk about the, the final decision that Thor makes or Jane makes oh. for Thor. So again, there's a couple of things that I really enjoyed about the movie. But the number one favorite thing was, you know, Thor doesn't fit any, anywhere. And you think that it's like, oh, it's going to be him and Jane again. And then it's not. It's the whole Thor trying to be a father type deal. And I actually am really intrigued by this. The issue is the end. Oh my god, it's so frustrating. It's not even like it's not even the daughter of somebody that needed help. It's not the daughter of anybody like whatever. It is as I've talked to Matt about, as I've talked to everybody about. Like Thor's love interest killed. Like your girlfriend murdered somebody so you would take or adopt their daughter? Like well, it's not even that, but it's somebody who tried to kill you and your entire race. Which I'm not really sure how I feel about gods being a race, considering the original Thor movies, it was like, oh, it's just powerful beings that the Earthlings worshipped as gods. But now it's a race, I guess. I don't know. First of all, it was just such a weird thing. And then when she's like, oh, Uncle Thor, and then they're trying <laughs> to show like how good their bond is that he's drawing on Mjolnir. And like, I don't know, that felt very forced to me. That was a bad part of the movie. I'm sorry if I don't have much to say, but like, I was just so bored and uninterested <laughs> throughout this movie. The villain wasn't even much better because he kept on spewing about all this propaganda about oh how gods don't care about mortals, which that in itself was inconsistent, like you guys said. Yeah. Gods don't care about mortals, but my entire plan revolves around Thor caring about you. I will never reference this hypocrisy and no one else will either. And like you guys said, in a way they kind of shoehorned sympathy towards him. Yeah, but right before he dies. Yeah. But my big thing is I'm actually alright, I don't know how I feel about this. We have three scenes in this movie where children are taken into combat zones and it's treated as a really good thing. Um, that being, there's like a joke in the beginning where Thor's mother takes him as a baby into combat where Thor has the kids fight, which I guess that's kind of necessary. They have to fight for their lives. And then Thor showing his new adopted daughter like, oh, those are the good guys. Those are the bad guys. Let's go fight. Like, I don't know. Could you imagine that little girl, like, seeing, like, bloody enemies losing, like, limbs, crying out in pain? Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like in the universe, that's got to be pretty scarring <laughs> to put a child in a combat situation like that. But uh, whatever. If they're going to play it for laughs like everything else in this movie, I guess it's funny. Whatever. Oh, no. This is current MCU. They treat everything like a freaking joke. <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's my issue with all the modern MCU movies and mm. TV shows. They treat everything as a joke. Like, even when things are at stake, there's almost no real consequences because they either blow it off with, like, one-liners or something. They do have a habit of doing that. <laughs> yeah. Which so, is the one thing that bothers me, though, with this MCU phase is I see, like, a lot of people being like, oh, the only reason they hate it is because nothing's connecting. And everyone's like, oh, you gotta view this as phase one. I'm like, well, phase one of the original MCU was really cool. Yeah. So I thought about it. The only reason I feel like phase one had to be, like, stand out really cool was because they were doing something that no movie thing has ever done in building a universe. And they were going up against blockbusters. Yeah. Now they could just pour out garbage being like, oh, it's a Marvel movie. Suckers Everyone will, will go pay see it. for it. It'll <laughs> yeah. make millions it's, anyway. Exactly. Star Wars. The Star Wars effect. It's Star Wars, people will watch it, and now it's Marvel, people will watch it. Which even then, like, if you're going to be like, oh, Phase 4 is like a new phase, like, it's like Phase 1. Phase 1, if you watch Iron Man or Captain America the First Avenger, or even the first Thor, like, I don't love those movies. Well, I actually really like the Captain America and Iron Man. But the characters are consistent, they have good arcs, you can care about them. It's written in a way that pretty much makes a lot of sense. These new ones are just hot garbage. Like, imagine Captain America making a joke in World War II. Like, of course, there were, like, one-liners where it was, like, oh, that was, like, a quick little thing. But, like, imagine the humor, like, from this Ugh. movie in, like, a World War II environment. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that wouldn't fly in today's standards. Yeah, uh, so, uh, is this the part where we give our final verdicts? Might as well, yeah. Yeah, so, overall, Thor, Love, and Thunder, not a big fan of this movie. I mean, granted, it had an interesting concept, but I hated the forced humor, how the Guardians were shafted. All the inconsistent storytelling, it's just getting out of hand, like you guys keep saying. And I'm fearful for what the rest of Phase 4 has in store. It's funny, we talked about this a few months ago. The Star Wars was like a train wreck that happened immediately, and Marvel was like a slow-moving train wreck. I think we're reaching the uh, the real carnage is starting to start in the slow-moving train wreck. Because I'm watching, and I'm just like, I like you said, Eric, I got no excitement for what's coming forward. I've already pretty much given up on the Disney Plus shows. I'm like three shows behind. But yeah, in terms of Thor, Love and Thunder, stupid plot, character derailment, uh, really, really just painfully unfunny. And Keith, Nick, you guys can vouch for me. Our theater was just like quiet. They did not laugh. They like laughed a, a couple of times at like the goats. And that was really just because of like the surprise of hearing goat screams. Yeah. Humor subjective sometimes. So you can tell us if you disagree, but you know, painfully unfunny. Story didn't make any sense. Characters were derailed. Really, they wasn't invested in many of them other than maybe Jane and a little bit of Thor. Again, I'm very, very disappointed in what Marvel has been pumping out lately. But, uh, man, I don't know. I'm The thing that I, like, was brought to my attention through, like, social media and stuff is that the last two movies, like Doctor Strange and this one, they're like, oh, they're not, like, MCU movies. They're, like, the director's movie. Like, it's a perfect Sam Raimi movie because it has all the elements of him. And this is a perfect, what's the director's name? Taika Waititi? Yeah, and it's like, oh, it's a perfect, like, his movie. I'm like, well, then direct a movie that isn't Marvel-based. It's the same thing that happened with Star Wars. One of the biggest defenses I hear for The Last Jedi is, oh, but it's Ryan Johnson doing what he does best. It's like, okay... If Ryan Johnson can't handle working in a confined series that has a beginning and an end that he doesn't write, then he shouldn't have that movie. Give him a standalone. It's the same thing here. If you can't handle having a universe with established characters and established rules, then write something else. You got to play nice with the other kids. You can't just say that, you know, you can't walk into the sandbox and say, my toys beat all your toys. No, no, you got to play nice. And these directors don't know how to at this point. See, I wonder where they're really trying to go with this type of stuff. I'm like, very curious. But that is actually something that, like, uh, when 
Nick brought up or whoever brought up about like, oh, you don't like the new phase because it doesn't, you know, tie anything in. It doesn't have whatever. But yeah, if you actually think about it from the very first Iron Man, even in Hulk, they ended up having the end movie show with Nick Fury. Every single movie already had that post credit scene where it started tying in everything else. I'm trying to think. I don't think this has any of those scenes where it tries to tie in anything. It just adds like, like oh, Hercules is coming. Oh, Jane's in Valhalla, which is kind of cool, but like, why does that matter? Just yeah. to show us that she made it. Like, she's going to have a happy ending after all. No, Maybe I think they go going back. to Valhalla. Oh, no. uh, you, you think they're going to go to Valhalla? Absolutely. At one point, it's going to completely wreck on everything. And it's just going to be, oh, no, somehow Jane's back. Like, we went to Valhalla. Here he is. Everybody really oh. liked her character. Anyway, so all you people that are listening, what do you think of Thor Love and Thunder? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Let us know on our Discord server. A link will be provided, as always, along with a link to our Instagram page, at Geeks Crossing. Continue to support us on all major listening platforms, whether that be Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, or whatever platform you prefer. Yes, and be sure to tell your friends and family about us, especially the Marvel fans in your life, because it would be very interesting to hear their takes on this episode. And if you can't get enough of us, Geeks, Head over to Twitch and check out Keith at Nuclear Bacons, Nick at CryptoLock Games, yours truly at Eman the Legendary, and of course, our secret fit member Tyler, who's probably in Valhalla. Yeah. <laughs> but as always, stay true to your geek selves. Mm-hmm.